O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Tuesday, July 20th. Israel is at the center stage of world events. Israel is the apple of God's eye. It is from Jerusalem, the eternal capital of Israel, that Yeshua will one day rule and reign for 1,000 years. If you want to understand prophetic end-time events and what the God of Israel is doing in these last days, we must keep our eye on Israel. Sign up for Israel on Target. We give you the top news stories coming from Israel each week, along with scriptures to pray over Israel. Each week we also include an Up Periscope special feature article, Each article does a deep dive on topics you won't find in the mainstream media, including big tech censorship, the inside scoop on the coronavirus, vaccines, and other hot topics. Stay informed and in the loop. To sign up for Israel on Target Up Periscope, go to dailyaudiotorah.com and sign up today. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the New Living Translation for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Vayet Kanan, and it means, And I pleaded. Deuteronomy 4, 32-49 You have but to inquire about bygone ages that came before you, ever since Hashem created man on earth, from one end of heaven to the other. Has anything as grand as this ever happened, or has its like ever been known? Has any people heard the voice of a God speaking out of a fire as you have, and survived? Or has any God ventured to go and take for himself one nation from the midst of another, by prodigious acts, by signs and portents, by war, by a mighty and an outstretched arm and awesome power, as Hashem your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? It has been clearly demonstrated to you that Hashem alone is God. There is none beside Him. From the heavens He let you hear His voice to discipline you. On earth He let you see His great fire, and from amidst that fire you heard His words. And because he loved your fathers, he chose their heirs after them, he himself in his great might, 
led you out of Egypt, to drive from your path nations greater and more populous than you, to take you into their land, and assign it to you as a heritage, as is still the case. Know therefore this day, and keep in mind that Hashem alone is God in heaven above and on earth below. There is no other. Observe His laws and commandments which I enjoin upon you this day, that it may go well with you and your children after you, and that you may long remain in the land that Hashem your God is assigning to you for all time. Then Moses set aside three cities on the east side of the Jordan to which a manslayer could escape, one who unwittingly slew a fellow man without having been hostile to him in the past. He could flee to one of these cities and live. Bezer in the wilderness in the tableland belonging to the Reubenites, Ramoth in Gilead belonging to the Gadites, and Golan in Bashan belonging to the Manassites. This is the teaching that Moses set before the Israelites. These are the decrees, laws, and rules that Moses addressed to the people of Israel after they had left Egypt, beyond the Jordan, in the valley at Beth Peor, in the land of King Sihon of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon, whom Moses and the Israelites defeated after they had left Egypt. They had taken possession of his country and that of King Og of Bashan, the two kings of the Amorites, which were on the east side of the Jordan, from Aror on the banks of the Wadi Ardnan, as far as Mount Zion, that is, Hermoth, also the whole Arabah on the east side of the Jordan, as far as the Sea of Arabah, at the foot of the slopes of Pisgah. 2 Chronicles 1, 1 to 3, 17 Solomon, son of David, took firm hold of his kingdom, for Hashem his God was with him and made him exceedingly great. Solomon summoned all Israel, the officers of thousands and of hundreds, and the judges, and all the chiefs of all Israel, the heads of the clans. Then Solomon and all the assemblage with him went to the shrine at Gibbon for the tent of meeting, which Moses, the servant of Hashem, had made in the wilderness, was there. But the ark of Hashem David had brought up from Kiriat-Jerim to the place which David had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it in Jerusalem. The bronze altar, which Betzalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, had made, was also there before the Mishkan of Hashem, and Solomon and the assemblage resorted to it. There Solomon ascended the bronze altar before Hashem, which was at the tent of meeting, and on it sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. That night Hashem appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I grant you? Solomon said to Hashem, You dealt most graciously with my father David, and now you have made me king in his stead. Now, O Hashem, let your promise to my father David be fulfilled, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Grant me then the wisdom and the knowledge to lead this people, for who can govern your great people? Hashem said to Solomon, Because you want this, and have not asked for wealth, property, 
and glory, nor have you asked for the life of your enemy or long life for yourself, but you have asked for the wisdom and knowledge to be able to govern my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I grant you also wealth, property, and glory, the like of which no king before you has had, nor shall any after you have. From the shrine at Gibbon, from the tent of meeting, Solomon went to Jerusalem and reigned over Israel. Solomon assembled chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses that he stationed in the chariot towns with the king in Jerusalem. The king made silver and gold as plentiful in Jerusalem as stones, and cedars as plentiful as the sycamores in the Shephelah. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from Kew. The king's traders would buy them from Kew at the market price. A chariot imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver and a horse, 150. These in turn were exported by them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Arameans. Then Solomon resolved to build a house for the name of Hashem and a royal palace for himself. Solomon mustered 70,000 basket carriers and 80,000 couriers in the hills, with 3,600 men supervising them. Solomon sent this message to King Huram of Tyre, In view of what you did for my father David in sending him cedars to build a palace for his residence, see, I intend to build a house for the name of Hashem my God. I will dedicate it to him for making incense offering of sweet spices in his honor, for the regular rows of bread, and for the morning and evening burnt offerings on Shabbat, new moons, and festivals, as is Israel's external duty. The house that I intend to build will be great, inasmuch as our God is greater than all gods, who indeed is capable of building a house for him. Even the heavens to their uttermost reaches cannot contain him. And who am I that I should build him a house except as a place for making burnt offerings to him? Now send me a craftsman to work in gold, silver, bronze, and iron, and in purple, crimson, and blue yarn, and who knows how to engrave alongside the craftsmen I have here in Yehuda and in Jerusalem, whom my father David provided. Send me cedars, cypress, and algum wood from the Lebanon, for I know that your servants are skilled at cutting the trees of Lebanon. My servants will work with yours to provide me with a great stock of timber, for the house I intend to build will be singularly great. I have allocated for your servants the woodcutters who fell the trees 20,000 car of crushed wheat and 20,000 core of barley, 20,000 baitim of wine, and 20,000 baitim of oil. Horam, king of Tyre, sent Solomon this written message in reply. Because Hashem loved his people, he made you king over them. Horam continued, Blessed is Hashem, God of Israel, who made the heavens and the earth, who gave King David a wise son, endowed with intelligence and understanding, to build a house for Hashem and a royal palace for himself. Now I am sending you a skillful and intelligent man, my master Huram, the son of a Danite woman, his father, a Tyrian. 
He is skilled at working in gold, silver, bronze, iron, precious stones, and wood, in purple, blue, and crimson yarn, and in fine linen, and at engraving and designing whatever will be required of him alongside your craftsmen and the craftsmen of my lord, your David, your father David. As to the wheat, barley, oil, and wine which my lord mentioned, let him send them to his servants. We undertake to cut down as many trees of Lebanon as you need and deliver them to you as rafts by sea to Jaffa. You will transport them to Jerusalem. Solomon took a census of all the aliens who were in the land of Israel, besides the census taken by his father David, and they were found to be 153,600. He made 70,000 of them basket carriers and 80,000 of them couriers, with 3,600 supervisors to see that the people worked. Then Solomon began to build the house of Hashem in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where Hashem had appeared to his father David, at the place which David had designated, at the threshing floor of Ornon, the Jebusite. He began to build on the second day of the second month of the fourth year of his reign. These were the dimensions Solomon established for building the house of Hashem. Its length in a moat by the former measure was sixty, and its breadth was twenty. The length of the porch in front was equal to the breadth of the house, twenty a moat, and its height was one hundred twenty. Inside he overlaid it with pure gold. The house itself he paneled with cypress wood. He overlaid it with fine gold and embossed on it palms and chains. He studded the house with precious stones for decoration. The gold was from Parvaim. He overlaid the house with gold, the beams, the threshold, its walls and doors. He carved cherubim on the walls. He made the Holy of Holies. Its length was equal to the breadth of the house, twenty amot, and its breadth was twenty amot. He overlaid it with six hundred kikarim of fine gold. The weight of the nails was fifty shekels of gold. The upper chambers he overlaid with gold. He made the two sculptured cherubim in the Holy of Holies, and they were overlaid with gold. The outspread wings of the cherubim were twenty amot across, one wing five amot long, touching one wall of the house, and the other wing five amot long, touching the wing of the other cherub. One wing of the other cherub five amot long, extending to the other wall of the house, and its other wing five amot long, touching the wing of the first cherub. The wing spread of these cherubs was thus twenty amot across, and they were standing up facing the house. He made the curtain of blue, purple, and crimson yarn and fine linen, and he worked cherubim into it. At the front of the house he made two columns, thirty-five amot high. The capitals on top of them were five amot high. He made chain work in the inner sanctuary and set it on the top of the columns. He made a hundred pomegranates and then set them into the chain work. He erected the columns in front of the great hall, one to its right and one to its left. The one to the right was called Jachin and the one to the left, Boaz. Romans 6, 1-23 
Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or, have you forgotten that when we were joined with Yeshua in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Yeshua by baptism. And just as Yeshua was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of the Father. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living, so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Psalm 16, 1-11 Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. 
I said to the Lord, You are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad, and I rejoice. My body rests in safety, for you will not leave my soul among the dead, or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Proverbs 19, 20 and 21 Get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise in the rest of your life. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. I'd like to speak to you today from our Torah portion from Deuteronomy chapter 4, and then we're going to jump into Romans chapter 6. And there is a particular verse I'd like to delve into, and we'll start in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 34. Or has any God ventured to go and take for himself one nation from the midst of another by prodigious acts, by signs and portents, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and awesome power? As Hashem your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? So the Torah is often in code, and we have to decode and dig deeper to get the deeper meaning. And so there's the four levels of Torah study. The first level is Peshat. That's the surface level. What does the verse literally mean? Then the next level of Torah study is Remez. And Remez is a hint that the verse can be hinting at something else. Hinting, it can be a verse that's hinting at Yeshua. Okay, and the next level is drash, and that is looking for connections from one verse to another within the chapter, or even looking at connections from one book to another book, from um, a verse in the Old Testament connected to a verse in the New Testament. And finally, the deepest level of Torah study is sowed, and that is looking at the heart of Torah, the deepest level of study, the very heart. Um, and it's often hidden, and you have to dig for it. It might be found in decoding the word and looking at its meaning, um, the numerical value. So, in this verse that I just read, what God would take for himself a nation from amidst all the other nations with signs and wonders and by war and by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and awesome power. That phrase is a remez hint 
pointing us to Yeshua. Yeshua now sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. After he died and then resurrected and then rose up into heaven, he now sits at the right hand of the Father. And so this is Exodus talk, Exodus language, that when they left Egypt, it was by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Yeshua executes the will of the Father. He implements the will of the Father. The Father has the vision for it. He's the CEO. And then Yeshua is his right hand, and he executes, implements, and applies, and perfectly obeys the will of his Father. Now let's look at verse 35. It has been clearly demonstrated to you that Hashem alone is God. There is none beside him. So the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Our greatest ability as humans is our capacity to think and ponder. In this verse, we are told that we must recognize or know about the existence of the one true God. The Hebrew phrase in this verse for clearly demonstrated is ha'aritsa ladatat. However, in biblical Hebrew, da'atat also refers to a deep, intimate connection, as in, now the man knew his wife Eve, from Genesis 4.1. It therefore follows that the verse actually means that as humans, we are required not just to know about God, but also to forge a deep connection with Him, a relationship with Him, the Almighty Creator. Okay, so I wanted to unpack that one verse, verse 34, mighty hand, outstretched arm, because Yeshua is found throughout the entire Bible. He's hidden in the Hebrew Scriptures, and He is revealed plainly and clearly in the Brit Hadashah in the New Testament. So there he is. We got a glimpse of Yeshua today in our Hebrew Scriptures. And now let's jump into Romans chapter 6. And in Romans chapter 6, what we see is a picture being painted for us of the identity that how we are to be in total identity and unity with Yeshua. That when we become born again, we are to be identified with him in his death. Because our old man dies. Our sin nature is to be crucified and to die. And then, even as Yeshua is resurrected from the dead, we now have a new man that is born within us. The new man of Christ, his spirit, the spirit of Yeshua, who now lives and dwells within us. So in verse 6, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so so that sin might lose its power. In our lives, we are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. So look at it this way. If you can imagine this picture of yourself wrapped up in chains, big, heavy metal chains, and you are in bondage to whatever it might be. Perhaps it's smoking. Perhaps it's porn addiction. 
Perhaps it's a, a bad temper. Sharp words that come out so quickly and easily. Perhaps it's unforgiveness. Whatever it might be, we all have our areas of sin that we, in our own self, cannot break. We're just a slave to it. So when we become born again, those chains, we identify with the death of Christ. And and in identifying with his death, those chains fall off. And you can hear the loud clunk of the chains falling off. And then when we are born again and we are resurrected to new life, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ, Jesus, Yeshua, who now lives within me. Words of Paul. It is no longer I who live, but now it's Yeshua who, who lives within me. And now the life I live is unto Yeshua. My eyes are his eyes. My ears are his ears. My hands are his hands. My thoughts are his thoughts. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. We don't want to grieve Yeshua who dwells within us. Verse 12, Romans 6, verse 12. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. And what came to my mind as I read that, what part of my body so quickly falls into sin? Well, this is true for many of us. And James nailed it. It's the tongue. He says, what a small member of the body our tongue is, and yet what evil it can do. It's like a a spark, a flame of fire that sets the entire forest on fire. Any man who controls his tongue is considered wise. Any fool who keeps his mouth quiet is considered wise. The tongue can do such tremendous damage, cursing and judging and accusing and tearing down. The tongue is a mighty evil. And it is so important for us. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we need our heart to be cleansed. Now, verse 15, Paul goes on to say, Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, from the Torah, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. So what was the purpose of the Torah? Before the Torah was given, before the law was given with Moses at Mount Sinai, all the men who came before Moses, before there was the Torah, the Ten Commandments, they still sinned and died in their sin. So what was the purpose of the Torah? The purpose of the Torah was to lead us to Christ, to show us our sin. It's like looking in a mirror, and when we look in the mirror, we see dirt on our face. Oops, and yet God has provided the soap, and the soap is Yeshua. He's the one who washes us and cleanses us from the inside out, starting with our heart. And Paul goes on to reason and to um, 
lay out his argument logically, and he says in verse 16, Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God which leads to righteous living. Now, Yeshua says in other places in the book of John, he says, if you love me, you will obey me. So when we obey the commands, the statutes, the Torah, we do it out of love because we love Yeshua. So we want to walk as he walked. And this chapter concludes with verse 23 for the wages of sin is death but the gift the free gift of god is eternal life through christ yeshua our lord so there we have a choice we can be at a fork in the road if we continue to walk in sin and ignore god and turn our back on him and do our own thing ultimately this leads to death Physical death, but also spiritual death. It's damage. It's destruction. It is horrible. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So he gives us a free gift. He does it in grace. He does it in mercy. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. It's simply God's unmerited favor. He gives us a key to get out of the pit. He gives us a key to get out of jail so that we don't have to be slaves to sin, but now we can become love slaves to Yeshua and to his word. We get to love God and love others with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that is the highest, highest thing that we can ever do in our life, is to love God and to love others. That's all I have for today. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.